If you're looking to improve your golf game, then stop right now and hit up my buddy Jason Gandy at Willow Creek Golf Club. He's played in all the big tournaments, he's caddied on the PGA Tour, and now he's using his skill set to help you get better at golf. You can find him at Gandy Golf. That's at G-A-N-D-Y Golf on Instagram or Twitter. And if you're not located in the East Tennessee area, that's no problem because he's got all the technology necessary to help you wherever you might be. Once again, that's Jason Gandy at Gandy Golf. Your golf game will never be the same. Welcome in the show. This is the Turn Fancy Golf Podcast. My name is Andrew Putters. I'm here with my buddy, Joe Nicely, who inevitably is the lead golf editor at rotoballer.com. And we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to recap the Bermuda Championship and hit on the Vivint Houston Open. Joe, what do we got going on at Rotoballer right now? We're ready for the Masters, guys. We are taking you through it. Um, tons of great premium research over there. Our staff's knocking it out. I was just reading Josh Bennett's uh, course breakdown today. Um, we're seeing a new course this week, so definitely make sure and check that out. Spencer will have your uh, all your betting tips that you need over there, and I'll drop you some value plays in a DraftKings score four later in the week. Just go to rotoballer.com, use promo code NICE, N-I-C-E, when you sign up, and uh, we'll help you win some money. There you go. All right, let's get after it. All the games I used to play in my younger wilder days The game of clubs and tees it never crossed my mind But after some discussion with my closest dear Hi everybody, my name is Andrew Putters and you're listening to the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast I'm here with my friend Joe Nicely When we are in the nice and chilled off southeast Tennessee Where it is uh, hit freezing temperatures for the first time this year um, and uh, we are coming up on the climax of the fall series with the uh, new Vivint Houston Open. But real quick, we're going to recap last week. Um, Joe, uh, my man, uh, pretty good tournament, Bermuda, uh, Bermuda Championship, uh, did not disappoint. Um, we'll go ahead and tell you uh, Brian Gay, 15-under, beat Wyndham Clark in a one-hole playoff uh, at 15-under. Uh, thoughts from last weekend, Joe? Um, yeah, man. Um, Brian Gay with the win, just uh, completely out of nowhere. Uh, the guy hadn't had a top 25 since the restart. Um, but we did talk about last week that that the golf course in Bermuda was going to bring basically the entire field into play uh, with how we expected it to play, and, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, we saw a guy like Brian Gay up there and win it, Wyndham Clark, uh, Ollie Schneider Jans, um, some guys like that. Uh, the golf course really wouldn't let us really buy out. Got some weather, some heavy wind. Um, so that took a lot of the, kind of the favorites out of contention early. Saw several prominent guys miss the cut. Um, but we had a lot of things right, man. Uh, Doc Redman played really well for us. We loved him as well as Denny McCarthy. Um, so, you know, we got some things right and missed a couple things. Um, we, we told you we weren't as big on, on Brendan Todd uh, up at the top, and he missed the cut. Um, Zalatoris played well again. Um, so we, we had some good things right. Um, some things we didn't see coming. I, I think Brian Gay is just one of those winners that, you, that you're not going to see coming. Ever um, seen. So, yeah, so it just just weird, but a neat neat tournament, neat golf course. Um, 
shorter, like I said, so it brings tons of tons of guys into play. But yeah, man, that's about all I got for Bermuda. Um, had another couple of good shots um, going into the weekend, but didn't didn't pan out for me. So I'm kind of I'm kind of building, man. I'm 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 all around it. Uh, feel like I'm gonna I'm peaking. I'm like I'm like Tiger, baby. I'm peaking for the Masters. So let, let's get it going. We're heading to Houston this week. Absolutely, Houston, Vivian Houston Open coming up. Back to the Bermuda, though, um, it seemed like that if you teed off. Now I know the winds were awful in the second round, so the so the scores were a lot lower or a lot higher than than we expected because of that. But it seemed like if you had a morning start time the second day, you might have had a slight advantage. Um, you know, almost nobody in the afternoon on Friday broke the broke par it seemed like and uh and it was uh, painfully obvious with our man that the whole rotoballer crew was pulling for and uh and uh, on on the slack line with the rotoballer premium member pga members uh sue little 41 on the back three bogeys and a double uh that you know you just had to had to bring it up didn't you man yeah i mean three holes to go you're like well we, you know three Three six holes. over, six over on the back nine, man. Yeah, three over with like uh, uh, three to play. You're like, okay, we got another. We got at least one more bogey till we have to worry about it. Then he bogeys a double bogeys a par three. Oh god, now we're over the cut line. Then now we got to wait. Then they blew the horn when he was on the 18th or the ninth tee or the 18th tee. I can't remember. And uh, for his last hole, we had to wait till 7:45 in the morning to figure out that he missed the cut. Which, um, I mean. You know, it was just painful to watch. It was, yeah, man. It was the it was the ultimate sicko sweat. Um, <clears throat> was uh, pulling that uh, six over on the back, and then like you said, uh, catches the horn, has to wait to play eighteen, can come out and birdie it and make the cut. So you, it, it was an overnight sweat for Justin Suh. Had him in a bunch of lineups. Uh, he let us down. And Wesley Brown, man, was a was a really a surprise at, at how poorly he played on that second day. You can talk it up to the wind, um, but definitely missed on him. And and so we're, we're two of my key misses for the week. Really heard a lot of lineups. Had a lot of five out of sixes with with one or the other in them. Uh, so yeah, man, it was it was rough in a lot of ways. Um, we saw that win just just take several guys out. Henrik Stenson withdrew. Uh, HB three blew up in the second round. So took a lot of popular plays out. Um, not a real high percentage was six out of six last week. So, it, you know, it's just one of those things we expect a few times a year um, in, in tournaments with fields kind of like Bermuda that are, that are especially weak. We know we're not going to see the consistency we, we normally see week in, week out, uh, just because the players in the field aren't as good, uh, quite frankly. So I think we're going to see a little bit better field this week. Um, and Houston certainly got some guys up at the top that, that we all – know and love and roster a lot. So, uh, really excited to get into this, man. This weekend's tournament is the Vivint Houston Open. And what is Vivint? Vivint is a home security and automation company. Um, if you need help with uh, getting in touch with Vivint for your home security or automation, you can hit me up at my email, andrewputters at gmail.com, and uh, I can help you get uh, in touch with them. Uh, we, are their, we are a loyal customer of theirs. And I'm going to tell you, folks, uh, it's pretty cool that I can leave the house, uh, you know, not have to worry about if I shut my garage door or lock my front door because I just look on my phone and it tells me and I can do it straight from there. Also, uh, protects us from fires, smoke, anything like that, intruders. 
great technology company. So Vivint Home Security and Automation, if you need them, hit me up in my email, andrewpotters.gmail.com. So Vivint Houston Open this weekend, folks. Uh, golly, it's been, it's, this term has been around here 74 years. It's old. Um, and actually, the, uh, this event, the second year, was played at Memorial Park, which is where it is this year. It's played there about uh, 13 times, but they haven't played there since 1963. So um, this year they're making a return. Joe was just informing me that Tom Doak was head, uh, the head man on the redesign of two, that started in, in January of 2019. Course opened last November, so it's just a year old since then. Uh, it looks like the, the notes from the renovation are really, really um, – uh, quite drastic, really took bunkers from 54 down to 19. Um, uh, looks like uh, this is just a monster golf course. It's built over a 15 acre park. Uh, the golf course covers 250 acres of that. Um, it's just a municipal golf course and it looks like it's going to be fun to see par 72, 74, 32, um, different kind of pretty much a 100% Bermuda grass all throughout. Um, maybe a little couple of different types of Bermuda, but it's going to be a stars Bermuda throughout, especially with the amount of rain that Houston gets and the humidity. It's going to be thick and nasty uh, as far as the Bermuda goes. So uh, since we haven't seen this golf course since 1963, we really don't know what to think of it other than, you know, pastimes, the, uh, the Houston Open has always been what we call a birdie fest, right, Joe? I mean, for like 20 years, it played the same golf course there. And it was a birdie mirage. A ton of people that teed it up had a chance to win. People came to this golf tournament because of the golf, the greens at the golf course uh, historically putted very similar to the greens at Augusta National. This tournament has primarily always been the week before the Masters. This year it's also before the Masters, but they switched up the golf courses. So um, still bringing a huge field in, though, how, because um, – a lot of people like to stay warm before a, 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 a major event. And also, um, I think uh, it, people just want to stay sharp. Uh, we know, uh, I mean, there, there's, this field has, has got more upper echelon players than normal, I would say. So also, not only we could maybe throw out, uh, take off a lot of the course history, but maybe even the tournament history. Because, uh, like you said, um, the defending champ was Lanto, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Champs Lanto. So, um, you know, different golf course, definitely different field strength. Um, what's, what do you make up of the field, Joe? Um, like you said, man, the field's stronger uh, than, than we normally see, even though we do see a decent field traditionally for uh, Houston when it's the week before the Masters. We see some guys warming up and also see some guys trying to get into the Masters. Um, this week's winner won't get in if he's not already qualified for next week, um, but he will get in the 2021 Masters in, in the spring. Um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a tournament that a lot of guys play. Uh, normally see good fields. That's certainly the case this week. Um, got, some, got some pretty heavy hitters up at the top. Um, but, yeah, man, like you said on the golf course, we're kind of making some educated guesses. Um, really reminiscent of uh, Shadow Creek a few weeks ago, Sherwood a few weeks ago. Um, Bermuda last week where we only had one year to go on um, so we're, we're kind of just making some guesses this week um, like you said a Tom Doak design um, just recently renovated last year uh, from what I'm seeing man um, really like the Bombers um, 
like Sherwood a couple of weeks ago, this course has five par fives, which is something we don't see. And it's, it's really strange to see it uh, just a couple of times here over the past month. Um, this layout's got five par fives. I'm going to have a couple drivable par fours that are going to at least play drivable a couple of rounds at least, um, and five par threes. Um, so I think there's going to be tons of room off the tee. Um, we talked about last week that short hitters could win. Um, kind of the whole field was involved. Um, this week, I don't believe that to be the case. I think length will be a big advantage. Um, I think these guys that can bomb it uh, are going to do well here. They're going to have an advantage. Um, guys that can score on par fives, uh, guys that can make tons of birdies. Um, and like you said, man, this this tournament's kind of traditionally been a birdie fest, and, and I look for that to continue this week. Yeah, so uh, you're Sam Bombers, and so is DraftKings. Top three guys on DraftKings, DJ, Finau, Kepka. Um, couple, you know, really, these guys have all been either hit with the injury bug and or the uh, – the old COVID. So, um, yeah. I mean, is it really going to be a guessing game at top this week? Yeah, I think, especially with DJ and Brooks, um, it, you're, you're guessing a little bit more, I feel like, than you are with Tony. Um, Tony's my favorite player at the top of the board this week. Um, just been super consistent. We saw him miss a couple of tournaments because of COVID. Um, so, we were a little reluctant to jump back on him at Zozo, but he came out firing in that tournament, man. Um, I actually had a share of the lead there on the Saturday in the third round. Uh, dropped back in and ended up finishing T11. Uh, but in 10 starts since the restart, um, he's got five top tens, and three of those are top fives. Um, just playing a super consistent golf. This is right down his alley. Um, par fives can bomb it off the tee and make birdies. Um, there's some of these par fours he's going to be able to drive on a couple days. Um, so Tony's certainly my favorite play up there at the top, though I do think he'll be the most popular up at the top. Um, I, I don't mind taking the chalk with him. DJ, obviously we said on the show, he's, he's one of the best players in the game who can win any week. Um, but he is coming back from COVID. So I'll probably take a wait and see with DJ, maybe hop on board next week at the Masters. Um, kind of surprisingly, I'm, I'm surprised at myself, man. I'm kind of interested in Brooks this week. Um, he actually was the player consultant to Tom Doak on this course. Um, so nobody in this field has got any course history, uh, but Brooks should be very, very familiar with this layout. I imagine he's even played it a couple times because um, he did did work with Doak on the, the redesign, which is kind of an interesting nugget. Um, we've seen him try to play well before majors. We saw him finish runner-up at the FedEx St. Jude right before the PGA. Um, and before the two PGAs that he's won, the two previous weeks, he had top fives in tournaments the week before he won the PGA um, the last two times that he did that. So I think it's possible that we'll see him trying to peak for the Masters next week. Um, could very well come out and play good golf. Um, looked at his numbers a little bit today, and they're not as bad as, as kind of we would think they are. He's actually gained strokes with his irons in five straight starts. Um, just, just kind of been battling injuries, battling a cold putter. Um, but we know that he can bomb it. We know that he can take advantage of these par fives. So uh, kind of surprised to say I actually like Brooks a little bit this week. Um, you had a chance to give any thought to those guys up at the top? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not um, sold on Okay, obviously, like we said many times in the past, that we're on DJ when he's played a few weeks in a row. 
um, and it looks like he's trending in an upward direction. And all of a sudden, he comes out with the, with the, with the side from the time that he with, that he uh, withdrew after nine holes and came back and won the next week or the next event he played. Aside from that, um, he has been a player that we're on uh, when he's trending up. Uh, Brooks. Um, my issue with Brooks is that even on Instagram this past week, he or he was doing some Q and A, and he was out playing, but uh, he still was talking about his injury a lot, uh, with uh, with his with his knee and or ankle leg area, uh, and even shoulder too, looking for more um, more foundation. He said in his sh- the type of shoes he's, he's researching anything anything he can do to get a little bit help out his uh, his uh, foundation. He said in his golf swing. So that gives puts up a red flag for me whenever we're willing, whenever we're talking about spending this much salary on one guy. Um, in saying that, I mean, always we're always a fan of Tony. Uh, however, we're not usually a fan of him whenever he costs this much. Usually, we're all over him when he's down in the nine. So, not saying that's a red flag too, but I mean, uh, ten nine. If he doesn't finish in the top five, you're losing money on that pick. Just my just my my two cents on those three. Um, moving on down, I'm trying to figure out. You know, obviously, you put a line under those three. I think talent wise, maybe the field drops off considerably. Uh, moving downward, I mean, obviously, it's gonna be hard to sell me on why T Hatton and Matsuyama are gonna be in the same price point as those top three. Um, Especially Hatton, uh, I know his his thing is his stats on paper look amazing. However, this golf course does not suit his game. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, I I hear you. Um, I do think there's there's quite a drop there from from the top three guys, and it's early in the week. <clears throat> but I was I was just kind of surprised that I, I initially liked Brooks as much as I did. Honestly, um, I definitely think. I think Tony's the safest, but you do, like you said, we we've got the concerns with with his win equity. Uh, he can just never seem to close one out. But Hatton, I think you have to give a look to just because he's been in such amazing form. Uh, one over in Europe at the BMW a few weeks ago, we saw him follow that up uh, with an unbelievable iron performance at Shadow Creek. Uh, made a deep run there at the CJ Cup, and then seemed like he maybe ran out of gas a little bit at the Zozo after opening strong early in that tournament. Kind of kind of faded. Um, and that might have been fatigue setting in. Um, he's had a chance to rest up. So, I mean, I don't think on paper this course is a great fit for him. Um, but I think you have to give him a look just because his form's so great. Um, Hideki, I, I don't really understand being up here. Um, I know as far as his pedigree, he, he's an amazing talent. We know he's a good ball striker, can certainly play well on this course. Um, but he just hasn't had everything clicking lately, not been putting everything together. Um, I would be more interested in Victor Hovland, um, a guy that we've had a lot of success rostering over the past four to six weeks. Um, played him a lot even after the restart. And he, he seems like he's found that form again as of late. We know he uh, he tears these par fives up. An aggressive player can go out there and make a lot of birdies for us. He seems to struggle putting four rounds together. Um, but you kind of have to lock his chances on a layout like this. And Scotty Scheffler um, looked a little bit better at Zozo. We he had been really slow coming back from COVID, um, but but played well at Zozo. He's a Texas guy. Um, maybe he's familiar with this course. It certainly fits his game. 
Um, he's a birdie maker and a bomber. So I think we can give Scheffler a look up there at the top. Um, is there anybody else up there that's jumping to, jumping out to you as we move down? Uh, you know I'm going to talk about Russell Hanlon. That's my guy. He's been absolutely on fire. The irons are amazing. Um, he's not a bomber, kind of in the hat and mold, just in such good form that, that we have to give him a look, I feel. Um, but who are you locking in the nines there going down? Yeah, I mean, you can't mess on uh, on Hovland. He's so consistent from a ball-striking standpoint. Uh, obviously, Henley, historically in the Houston Open, has always played well. But like we said, different course, different field than normal. For some reason, name it, I, I can't get past without giving a look. And it's awfully high for me to even say this, is Adam Scott. Um, seems like tournaments, like, I don't know why. Just His name just feels like a, a guy that's going to go out there and five par fives, I mean, we know how far he hits it. Uh, we know how straight he hits it. Um, I mean, he's just a horrific putter. If he can get any kind of putting going whatsoever, um, he should play well. You know, reachable par fives has kind of been his MO since he came up here. You know, that's why he's always played fairly well at Augusta. Same thing here. So, uh, but other than that, no. Uh, it's really – I just feel like the, the groupings are really, really weird to me for this tournament. Uh, yeah. Mean, Normally, we're going to see Sergio today down in the eight, mid-eights. Uh, Doc Redmond seems a little low compared to those guys. But, like I said, the it's really the, the way that the field is. And it's, it's the groups of golfers are, that really don't match up, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. The, the salary scale seems really weird this week. Um, like, if you, just look at the, if you just look at the players in this field on paper um, – Separate from DraftKings, you think, man, this is a really strong, good, deep field. Um, but then when you get to DraftKings on the salary scale, um, it, it just feels like it runs out really quick. And it feels like some of the pricing is a little bit weird. Um, you know, obviously, we like the guys up at the top and down into the nines. But as you start getting down into the eights, um, you kind of see where this field uh, kind of shifts gears uh, as far as dropping down a, a level in talent um i mean you start getting into guys which uh you know we love them but but guys like lanto and doc up there in the high eights um we like those guys we've had a lot of success with them um but but can we pay you know in the heights for them in this field um i don't know um like both of them we'll probably have some exposure to both but it just feels weird seeing them at this price um, then we got Jordan Spieth at 8,400. We saw him at 6,900 at Zozo. Um, this field isn't that much weaker, um, you know, than, than the Zozo was. So I really don't get the, get the salary increase there. Um, but then as you get down into the, to the low weights, high sevens, it's, it's a range I, I like a lot, um, that I'll probably be targeting heavily. Um, I know I like Siwoo C- better than you do. Been playing him a little bit, but I, I think he's r- rounding into form again. Gained over five strokes on approach in his last start. Um, he's put two good starts together recently. So, we know he can make birdies. So, I don't mind looking at Siwoo there. And a guy that I'll definitely be targeting targeting at 8,100 is Cameron Davis, um, who's just been super solid, super consistent. He absolutely kills par fives. Um, I think he only trails DJ in this field and strokes gained on par fives over the last 24 rounds makes tons of birdies. Um, so the, I think there's some upside there at 8,100. He feels a little bit underpriced, actually, when you look at some of the guys priced above him as far as course fit. Um, and then 
a guy we've had a lot of success with, uh, Denny McCarthy there at 79. We think of him as a great putter, but he's actually been playing par fives very, very well. I think he, I think he grades out sixth in this field and strokes game par fives over the last 24 rounds. Um, so he's a guy you can give a look to. And another kind of little sleeper there, I think, at eight is James Hahn. Um, a guy I was on a few weeks ago um, at the Shriners and played really, really well. I think you can go back to him here. He's in excellent form. Um, but give me your thoughts on that 8K range, man. It seems like there's some weird kind of funky pricing in there. What, what are your thoughts on it? I, I was actually thinking, you know, that you could, you know, maybe pick one of those top guys, maybe uh, one guy just below that, and then just go, you know, hit right here, or 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 or, uh, or maybe, you know, pick a top guy, then hit a few guys right here. Um, Denny McCarthy has arguably had uh, one of the most consistent, uh, arguably probably since I'm gonna say since August, most consistent week in week out. Uh, guy, I mean, last so let's see here, had top nine at the Wyndham, top six, uh, tied for sixth at the Sanderson, tied for fourth last week at the Bermuda. I mean, just played very well. Um, but uh, another guy at that range I like, um, among obviously HV3, missed a cut last week, or but uh, you know, it is what it is. I've always loved James Hahn. Good, good bounce back spot for HV3. Yeah. It feels like it feels like it, it it could be a good bounce back spot for him. I've, I, yeah, I've always loved James Hahn. Um, yeah, uh, ball striking wise, the guy was a freak coming out of college ball striking wise, and just he's played very well in the PJ Tour's career. Um, but you're you're not gonna get past the guys had the arguably best fall. Uh, and my man, doesn't matter how long the golf course is, he makes birdies because he puts so good. Uh, Stuart Sink, last four events, first, tied for 12th, tied 64, tied fourth last week. The tie for 64 of the Shriners, remember, folks, shot an 81 on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, the guy – don't matter really how hard or easy the golf course is, the guy can go he, – he can shoot a number. Length is not an issue for him. He'll still shoot a number. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there just in case it does hit. <laughs> And uh, but yeah, you probably knew I was going there. But I, my favorite two in that range is going to be Denny McCarthy and Stuart Sink by far. Yeah, I like both. Um, I, I'm fine with Stuart Sink, like you said. Even even despite his age, I mean, we we still seen him score well. Um, won the uh, won the Safeway, which was kind of a shootout. So I mean, he can definitely go low. Um, nothing all wrong with that play. I, I think my my two favorite in that range would probably be. Cameron Davis, um, James Hahn. I'd throw Denny McCarthy in there as well. Um, moving down, man, it seems like an excellent bounce-back spot for HV3. Just got a little bit unlucky with the weather um, in Bermuda last week. Had the weekend to regroup, um, so we could definitely see a bounce-back spot for him. Taylor Gooch, we know, has an upside. Um, really volatile. Uh, I would put him more in that GPP bucket versus um, kind of relying on him. Wyndham Clark, man, um, it, it it might be one of those times to just kind of ride the hot hand with him. Um, I don't roster him often. I, I kind of look at him like kind of like a Billy Horschel type of guy, the, a guy that we can that we can roster when he's when he's playing well, when he's hot. He's very very streaky. 
Um, but this course actually lays out well for him, man. He's a bomber, hits it a mile off the tee, um, can score on par fives and make a lot of putts when, he, when he's got that putter going. Um, certainly seemed to last week. And last week was his second good, good outing um, over the past month. So, I mean, I think you can go right back to Wyndham Clark. Um, Fratelli's shown a few things. Mackenzie Hughes played well um, during the playoffs. He's a guy you can look at down there. And a guy that hasn't seemed to tee it up in forever um, that we've talked about a lot on this show over a couple of tournaments is Sam Burns, um, who I'm really intrigued with um, just because of the par fives and the length of this course. Burns bombs it. He's one of the longest guys on the PGA Tour. Uh, when he gets the putter going, he, he's very dangerous. We've seen him play well um, over the past couple of months. So I think you can go back to Burns, even though it feels like he hasn't teed it up in a while. Might be kind of out of sight, out of mind for people. Might be a guy we can grab at lower ownership. Aaron Wise is kind of in the similar vein. Uh, really good off the tee, really long. Um, so as we go down the scale, I'm looking for these guys that can bomb it, looking for guys that can hit it long, score on par fives. I think they're going to have plenty of room to operate off the tee this week. Um, and Wise certainly fits that mold. Um, another guy down at the bottom, just kind of running through the sevens real quick, is Christopher Ventura who grades out extremely well on par fives and uh, birdies game over the last 24 rounds. So he, he's kind of disappointed in a couple outings, but also had a couple of top tens. So he's another one of those guys we talked about being volatile, but, but has some upside. I definitely think you can look at him and a guy that, that we talked about last week and ended up kind of making a run there over the weekend, Adam Shank. Um, Tons of distance off the tee, tons of birdie-making ability. Like you said, just struggles to put four rounds together. But you still really have to lock him, I feel, at 7,100 in this field. Um, any, any thoughts on those guys? I hit a lot of guys. <clears throat> but I think there's, there's some options there in the sevens this week, the, the mid to low sevens we can look at, um, as well as the high sevens up into the low eights. Feels like there's a lot of guys in there. Um, I find myself winding up with versus trying to – going like the upper eights, low nines. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew? It's a, it's yeah. a weird week on the salary scale. Yeah, yeah, like we said already, the, the salary has kind of thrown us off, but there's a lot of talent here in the sevens. Um, you could uh, – a lot of talent. I mean, you, the two guys, a guy you didn't even mention, Martin Laird coming off a victory, back to playing. Uh, Keegan Bradley, who's been slowly getting better and better at stroke screen approach. Um um, even somebody like a Scott Piercy, an old vet that bombs it and hits it straight and hits a lot of greens. If, you know, if he gets to put a roll in at all, guys that came back from the fall that played well, uh, uh, Norlander or a Sep, Estra, uh, Sep Straka or even a McNeely that had played well earlier in courses very similar to this as far as um, lots of scorable par fives where I'm going with that. Uh, but, yeah, the, even the guys you hit on, um, Sam Burns is intriguing. I, I wonder, though, about Sam Burns if he's trending the other way now. Uh, if you look at his history, you know, we're real strong on him. It's like he peaked, and then he kind of started going the other way, maybe, possibly. I don't know. I think his, I think his irons have kind of been trending in the wrong direction a little bit. Uh, but I, I, he's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on, um, keep an eye on his ownership. Um, sometimes when he's chalk, <clears throat> I want to go the other way. 
Um, but if he's under-owned, I don't mind taking a shot just because he does vomit and can score on par five so well. But yeah, I agree with you. His iron play is what's always kind of held him back um, so far in his professional career. And uh, they've kind of went the other way in his last couple of starts, even though he had uh, had some decent finishes. His, his iron play is spotty for sure. Yeah, a couple of guys in this range that we can definitely tell you to stay away from. One is uh, undoubtedly uh, Luke, Lucas Glover. Uh, we're also going to be away from uh, the, the Hoffman, Charlie Hoffman, uh, after his little uh, experience last weekend, little ex uh, whatever it was he did down there. And I uh, had one more there. Oh, uh, Mr. WD, uh, Henrik Stenson. Where's he at in here? He's somewhere in here, isn't he? Yeah, he's right there with Charlie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's stay away from those three. Uh, just put a big circle around them, a big X. Uh, let's just stay away from them three and the sevens. Moving on down here to the sixes. This is very interesting. And let me tell you why I think it's very interesting. If you go six, nine or lower, not necessarily do I think, I mean, the winner could come from down here, but there's so many capable names. Uh, and I'm going to just start reading these names out. These are, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm a big bad guy. We already know that. But there's so many capable names at 6,900 and below. Uh, let's go through here. Number one, obviously, I'm always going to say Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings is 6,900, bombs it, hits it, uh, he's hitting it, uh, hits his irons well if he gets hot with the putter. Uh, obviously, we got one last week, Brian Gale. We don't really like him on this course, but he's a still a capable name. Johnny Vegas, there's a name right there. Put that down. Ryan Armour, that's a name. Brendan Grace, name still. Uh, let's see, Danny Lee. These guys are all – now we're in the low 600s now. Uh, Scott Harrington even. I'm not saying he's a, a big name or is going to win or anything, but he hits it long and straight. Uh, even somebody that – okay, I'm going to go late, even go further back. Jimmy Walker, Johnny Huh, Kevin Mitchell, Chris Kirk. And these are all capable names, and they're they, – golly, they don't cost nothing to own them. Oh, that's yeah. What, that's that's you want, crazy in this you want, to, you want to talk about names, man. We got Francesco Molinari, $6,600 this week. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Danny, Will, Danny Will at $6,800. We're talking about recent major champions here uh, that we can grab for less than seven k in this field. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, you can definitely go kind of bargain shopping this week if you want to. Uh, great point, man. There, there's several guys down here that I would consider. It's early in the week. Um, so it takes, it takes a little while for me to get those guys dialed in exactly the direction I want to go. Um, but I'm pretty excited about what's available down here. Um, I mean, you're talking about you can go true stars and scrubs this week if you want to. Um, if there's a couple, three guys up at the top that you really want to get in, um, you, can, you can dive down here and feel fairly comfortable, honestly. Um, he's, he's a sicko. We hate to talk about him, but I got to bring him up. I know Andrew brought the eraser out last week. Um, erased him off the list. Will Gordon came through. <laughs> came through at Bermuda. There's five par fives on this layout. Andrew, he's going to be able to bomb it off the tee. Um, he's not making putts, but but we have to love the way this course sets up for him at $6,400. And a guy that I went with a little bit last week got on late in the week. I mentioned on the show is Andrew Putnam. Um, he's still hanging around when they're at 6,400, man. This is a guy that was a top 50 player in the world a year ago. Um, he struggled, undoubtedly, kind of kind of fell back, but it feels like he's kind of back on the upswing again. So I would look at Andrew Putnam again. Uh, a really talented scorer down there is Robbie Shelton 
a guy that we've seen pop up in kind of these bombing out there type birdie fest. So, I mean, I think you can look at him. But I'm with you, man. Um, some of these names down here are unbelievable. Yeah, I'm actually just sitting here reading them. I still can't believe it. That 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 Zang guy you told me about, Zun Zang, Zun Zhang Zang. Zun Zun Zhang, man. Yeah, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of upside. He really does. It seems like he either misses a cut or like top fifteens. Um, <laughs> if you yeah. look at his game long, and, and so I mean th that's what we're looking for in GPPs. If you're playing in a GPP with thirty thousand people in it, um, you're going to take some shots. You're going to make some stands. Um, I'm learning that kind of as as my DFS game changes, um, I've been playing a lot more multi-entry stuff than I ever have lately. Um, I, I'd always been just kind of a single entry, um, higher dollar, smaller field, um, make two, three lineups a week guy. But I'm, I'm starting to get into it, which I still do that, but I'm starting to get in more to these kind of big fields with, with super top heavy payouts. And honestly, um, all we care about is first place guys in those events if you're not in first place um it doesn't really matter um i've had some really deep runs the last three weeks i was just talking with andrew earlier um i had an eighth in the drive to green two weeks ago i had an 18th and a 19th in the in the same on the same week uh last week i had a 22nd and honestly you don't really have a lot to show for it so you're you need to build lineups especially if you're targeting these these top heavy gpps you need to build your rosters with first place in mind. Um, you're not worried about cashing. You're worried about trying to take down first place. Um, that, that's kind of what I've been doing with my, my cheaper uh, multiple entry bills. Um, I'm thinking about who's a guy with upside? Who's a guy down here? And there are lots of guys down there available this week, uh, just like Andrew was saying. Lots of guys that you can consider rostering down here and, and feel fairly comfortable with in GPP formats. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm building lineups as we speak. Uh, you know, I've got DJ Finau, Molinari, uh, Stuart Sink and still have 13,000 available with all these guys down here that I can just drool over. I mean, it's really, it's really kind of wild. Uh, uh, this is the week. If you're ever going to go full blown stars and scrubs, which by the way is the way that I won the Canadian open a few years back when I took down that huge, uh, huge, uh, 300 or 187,000 uh, entry field. Uh, I went full blown. Uh, I took the top two guys in the price and all 6,000 guys and took home first, his first, second, third, fourth, sixth, and 11th, I think. And of course, it's a sick lineup, but that's beside the point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got this. Is the, if there's ever a term you're going to go full blown uh, stars and scrubs, this is it for sure. With, I mean, I, this all the capable talent down here in the sixes. I just can't get over. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's undoubtedly there. And, and as we talked about, there's a lot of guys we like in the mid range this week, um, around that low eight, uh, high seven, mid seven range. Um, there's a lot of a lot of guys there to love. So you certainly don't have to go stars and scrubs, but this is one of those weeks where you can. Um, we talked about last week; it, it didn't shape up well. We didn't feel for for a stars and scrubs type of week. Whereas this week, I believe it does. Um, you've got the guys up at the top who are truly elite players. Um, they're not just priced up there because of the weakness of the field. Um, so you got some truly elite guys. You can you can grab exposure to a couple of those. Um, and there's some very capable players with upside down here 
low sevens, high sixes, even down into the mid sixes this week. So I definitely think it's a it's a viable viable approach to take a stars and scrubs uh, strategy into this week uh, with this field. Absolutely. So uh, let's who, okay name your scrub then. Who's your scrub? Who's your pull Man. the seat note out of the pocket scrub here? Then we ain't, we ain't gonna go with the mid range guy this week. We're gonna go straight sixty nine hundred or lower. Who is it? There's so many good ones down there, man. There's so many guys you can go with this week. Um, I'm going to stick with Andrew Putnam. Um, pointed him out last week. Um, really good putter. Um, like I said, once a top 50 player in the world not too long ago and just feels really underpriced. Um, so I, I, my scrub's Andrew Putnam for the week. That's my guy. What about you? Who are you going with? I'm just going on history alone. I want to say Adam Long. That's if I'm looking at statistics. I'm gonna say Adam Long. Uh, but uh, if I'm if I'm going off just just history alone and namesake alone, uh, I don't care that he's missed tons of cuts and he hadn't played any golf. You ever gonna give me Francisco Molinari at 6600? I'm putting him in there. Um, he's been absent a lot. Um, um, you know, from competition since February, basically since the Mexico Open, Mexico Championship, uh, he did uh, he did play in the Shriners, uh, missed the cut, but he still shot four under. I mean, you know, just barely missed the cut there. So, yeah, maybe he's been behind the scenes practicing or something. I don't know, but I mean, Francisco Molinari at sixty at sixty six hundred. Come on, man, I got to put him in the lineup. That's my guy. That's probably uh, an easy one, but it is what it is. He actually – his ownership might be up a little bit just, I think, just because of the namesake alone at that price. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of sticker shock seeing him down there. Um, yeah. And I think especially a lot of casual guys maybe that, that aren't hardcore like we are, um, you might you might get some casual fans just seeing him down there and be like, oh, well, Molinari, I'm throwing him in there. But that doesn't mean he's a bad play. Um Really intriguing, um, just because we do know that that he's got good golf in him somewhere, uh, and it's kind of one of those things you never know when it's going to pop up. Um, so yeah, man, who who can blame you for taking a shot with uh, Molinari at sixty six hundred bucks? That's right. That's right. All right, guys, uh, that's all we got for you tonight. My name's Andrew Putters. It's Joe Nicely uh, signing off. Vivent Houston Open. Like I said, if you need help with home security or automation, give me a hit up on email andrewputters at gmail dot com. Talk to y'all later. Big mistake. I've already hit three in the lake. It's gonna drive.